Psalm 16. If you're at home, you should grab your Bible and take a look at Psalm 16. I want to be a help to you and encourage to you, encouragement to you. We look at the Psalms, sometimes we read them and we can relate with them. Uh, many of us go through difficult times and uh, there are uh, real, true men that had troubles. Uh, we think of King David and all of the diaries that he had uh, written for us to be able to look into and and uh, struggle with. And I think I can help you. Been in this uh, for long enough to be able to understand a little bit concerning uh, the emotions and how to be able to get victory over those difficult times. Uh, maybe there's been a, a person in here that has uh, trouble with depression or, or whatever. I want to help you, and I think Psalm 116 can do that. There are, it's divided up into three areas, and this is the first passage that I read all 19 verses um, 26 years ago when I was licensed to preach uh, from Utica, Bible Baptist Church. I think you were there, Tom, at the time, uh, back in the day. And, uh, and, I, and I really find it a joy to be able to go back and see that through the years, this is the second uh, this is actually the third time preaching from this passage in 25 years. And, uh, but this particular message is different. And I hope it will help you understand a little bit more of, of what to do when you're pushed beyond just being sad or having a time of being in the blues. Uh, if we look at verse, it's simple really, look at verse number six. If the Lord preserves the simple, uh, I was brought low and he helped me. And, and if we were to uh, drive this uh, or, or kind of put this into sections, you would see uh, later on as I developed the message, uh, maybe you can write in your Bible and kind of show uh, where these sections are. We seem to start out a lot of times in the Psalms. We start out where there's a little bit of a dirge going on. There's a little bit of a discouragement and difficulty. And what happens when you go through those times? What happens when you're pressed beyond the blues? Some people seem to be staying in the blues permanently. And I think that somewhat has to do with their, their personality uh, traits, or if you want to call it their temperament. Uh, years ago, there was a book that came out by Tim LaHaye. How I remember reading something from Tim LaHaye? I, so many of you probably had, and he put together uh, some of the natural um, responses, if you would, by the psychologist and the psychiatrist of the day, talking about different personalities that people have, different character traits, if you would, or different temperaments. And he came up with and 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 put in print. Um, he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't the developer developer of these. But there are four of them, and I just want to maybe hit on them. I'm not saying that they're actually true, uh, but there are certain uh, temper, t- uh, what can I say, character traits that people have. And uh, the first one is sanguine. Have you ever heard of that? The sanguines are extroverters. Uh, they are referred to as the talkers of the group. Uh, they're able to make friends really easy, uh, these kind of people that have that temperament trait, if you would. Um, and they are uh, expressive in personality, desire influence and in being enthusiastic with people and expressing thoughts with excitement and being really the center of attention. Sanguine is sociable and charismatic, generally warm-hearted, pleasant, lively, optimistic, creative, compassionate, and outgoing. And you might find somebody that has those kind of traits. Uh, but that's not all. By the way, it takes all kinds of kinds. Uh, you may notice that your children are all different. There is the choleric, um, and, and again, these are not in stone, but uh, this is the strongest of the extroverted temperaments, the choleric, and, and in sometimes referred to as the type A personality. He's the doer. 
They are hard-driven individuals known for accomplishment of their goals, and they have a, a lot of aggression in them, a lot of energy, a lot of uh, passion, um, but they try to instill it into others. They have the high expectations of themselves, and so they're going to have high expectation of other people, and they're going to want them to want to move forward and be the same way that they are. Then there's the melancholic person, uh, and, and they are uh, introverted, uh, but they're thoughtful. Uh, the melancholic individual, uh, they're referred to as the thinker. Uh, they analyze everything. They have a personality that is analytical. Um, they're very caution, and they restrain a lot of times from saying things. Uh, they best at attend, uh, attending to details and analyzing problems too difficult for others. They tend to be deep thinkers um, who often see uh, the negative their attributes of life, rather than the good and the positive things. And I think that that melancholic person um, may be the personality of King David. I don't know. I'm just saying that some, some of that plays into that. And there's a phlegmatic person, that temperament. People are relaxed and quiet, ranging from a warmly attentive, uh, kind of almost sluggish, sometimes lazily seeing things. They are referred to as the watcher. Uh, they do all of their things by sitting down uh, and meditating on things, but they are a great uniter. They, are, uh, they avoid conflict. They are Mr. Uh, peaceable. They are peacemakers, and these people are actually work really good together on boards. And so I just want to know, I want you to know that all through the years of walk, walking with people and helping people in church, um, I, I see these different personalities and I can actually label some folks. But I, I want you to know that my main objective by bringing that up is to help you understand that not everybody is like you. Uh, people are different. And if you're not going to be able to accept that, then you're going to struggle through life. Because uh, there are different kinds of kinds. And uh, your, your life will be a whole lot better if you realize that God made you the way he made you. According to Psalm 139, we see that he formed you in the mother's womb. Uh, he knew that I would be receding in my hairline at this particular time in my life. He, he knew that I would be uh, having trouble walking at times. He knew all of this. God knows everything about you. And the greatest thing you can do is accept that. But I think sometimes when we go through life, we get feelings and we get emotions that go out, of, go out of whack a little bit. And I want to talk about that. Sometimes we have feelings of being overwhelmed with things. Uh, I think we live in a culture like that. We are in a society where we are overloaded. And because we are overloaded with choices and with uh, news and with decisions and all of that, uh, I think we get overwhelmed. We're we are able to overcome feelings of being overwhelmed, I think, a lot of times when we draw, draw close to God. And so there is an answer to it all. In James chapter 4, verse number 8, the Bible says really clear, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Verse number 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And so there is a remedy to all of this. If you feel like you're being overwhelmed, is God will give you the ability to get up and keep going. 
Our healing and stability is found in him because when he died on the cross, he bore our sorrows, he bore our grief, he bore our shame. We know that because the Bible tells us that he took our sin, but he also took the shame uh, for us on the cross. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse number 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. The Bible makes it really clear. And as we acknowledge Jesus Christ in our lives, he strengthens us to do what we are called to do. And remember this, dear friend. The Bible says really clearly, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And so remember that your strength is going to come from the Lord. And so when you feel like you're overwhelmed and you feel like you can't go on and you feel like the backpack is weighing you down, all the burdens of life and all the confusions of our culture, remember this, that God is true and you can trust him. Just give him everything. Remember his sovereignty. Remember his providence, that God is God and he's always good. And everything that happens to you, is because God has allowed it for his glory and for your good. I think when it comes to this understanding of feelings, we have feelings of rejection. And some of us have felt that through the years here. I think we should not be discouraged because God's given us the discipline uh, to be able to continue on. He's accepted us, of course. Uh, the Bible says that really clearly. Uh, when divine correction comes, it, it, its goal is to refine us into the image of Jesus Christ. It is not because he is rejecting us. It is because he is correcting us. And we've got to remember that. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse number 5, A fool despise, uh, despises his father's instruction, but he that regards reproof is prudent. So understanding that God, uh, that you are, God's child is, is a key. Remember, he's your father and he's trying to help you. And wherefore, uh, the Bible says in, in Romans 15, verse number 7, wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also has received. And remember this, that you've already been received in glory and you're already accepted in the beloved. The Bible tells us that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Sometimes you feel like you've been rejected, but you haven't been. I want to encourage you that Satan will use that on you. Just because you don't look like everybody else or just because you don't seem to be able to talk like everybody else, Satan will make you think that you're odd to separate you from the pack, that he'll then bounce, pounce on you and try to destroy you because his desire is to devour you, to take your joy away, to take the strength of God's courage away from you. So we have to go back and remember that we're going to have these feelings. There's also feelings of discouragement. I need to move along. We are his children and he loves us and he is always with us and doesn't forsake us, even in our troubles. Instead, he upholds us and he gives us peace and power to endure. 
God will sustain you through all of your difficulties. The Bible says in Psalm 94, verse number 17, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. And when I said, my foot slips, thy mercy, O Lord, help me up. And in the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. I want you to know that God is always there. You don't have to be discouraged. And when you have these feelings of discouragement, what are you going to do? What do the psalmists do? I think there's not just the, the discouragement, but also there's the feelings of fear. Fear is a horrible thing. It messes with your mind when fear comes. The love and the trust we find in Christ and how we are able to overcome fear, the Bible makes it really clear in 1 John chapter 4. Fearing man, of course, is then going to be a trap of Satan. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord, he shall be safe. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse number six, be strong and of good courage and fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth good, is with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And we were talking about Joshua, chapter 1, verse number 8. But then there are feelings of guilt and shame that we have. And remember that God will give us the strength during those times of feelings. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse number 18, poverty and shame shall be in him that refuses instruction. But he that regards reproof or he that wants correction is going to be honored. And so we remember that God will allow us at times to be turned from uh, our sin to his face. Proverbs 1.23 tells us that. that Turn you from for my reproof and I will pour out my spirit upon you and I'll make my words known unto you. Give us that strength that we need. 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 10, for godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world works death. And I want you to know that there will be feelings of loneliness, and I, I, I know that sometimes people have this. I can, I can read the Psalms, and I, I see that even this particular Psalm has that. God knows when you're lonely. And he will then lead us into the place of safety and shelter and provides us that wonderful comfort of knowing that he is there. And sometimes loneliness can be a time for us to pray. Psalm 25, verse number 16 and 17 says, Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. So let me just tell you this that having trouble with your emotions and your temperament and your feelings, it was a common thing in the Psalms. It is a common thing because it is common unto man. And there are no trials that you're having that are kind of foreign to man. Remember that, even your temptations, every one of us struggle in those areas. But God gives us his remedy. And I want you to look at that with three things, if I can give them to you. I think it's important for us to understand that for the Christian, your feelings are relevant. However, they should never be given the ability to rule or control you. You should never give over to your feelings. you got to go back to the word of God and trust the black and white word of God over your feelings and over your emotions. Listen to me. We live in a sensual culture. And if you go that direction, you're going to give in in other areas if you're not careful. Young people, listen to me that are hearing my voice. I've been here. I've been through it. Trust the word of God 
over your feelings. Make sure you trust him. I like what D, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the great writers, and he wrote this concerning spiritual depression in his book. He read it on, on page number uh, 112 in his book, Spiritual Depression. You might have read the book. I don't know. But it, but it says this. It says, now that, that that is the essence of the problem. In other words, our feelings are variable. And, and I would emphasize that the same is true for our temperament. Whatever it may be, we are all given our temperament by God. He has made no two of us the same. And we must remain different. Yes, we have our temperament. But there is nothing that is so wrong and unchristian as to allow our temperament to rule us. Of course, there are people who, are, who, who glory in doing that. We all know that person who always says, I, I just want to speak my mind. This is the way I was born. I always think this way. Think of the damage done by such a person as they tremble, as they trample self-righteously over other people and their difficulties. What if everybody did that? And what if everybody said that? They say, I'm that sort of person. That's just the way it is. The answer to them is they should not be. That does not mean that they can change their temperament, but it means that they can learn by the Holy Spirit to control it and be gentle as a dove. I think that this particular psalm, and we could divide it up in several ways, but I want to give you the first thought here, if you would. I think it's in verses number 1 through 7. If you look at the Psalm 116, and we see, first of all, in order for me to be able to overcome uh, my emotions, in order for me to be the kind of stable Christian God wants me to be, uh, the child of God, I, I really believe I need to have a proper view of the Lord. And verses 1 through 4 show us that. When we are close to something, uh, our view is better than if we're far away. This is just common sense. But drifting away from God will always result in an improper view of God. It never ceases to amaze me on how a person who is not in the word of God and not in church regularly like to come to meetings and lecture people on how they should be able to live their lives. It's amazing to me. Let me tell you something. When you take advice, take it from a godly person. Take it from a person who's in the word of God and who stays at it. Take it from a stable individual who loves the Lord, who that is consistent in their walk with God. Go to them. Listen to them. But not just listen. Apply it to your own life. And you'll see success. But if you go to the person who thinks that they know, it's amazing to me how I see a little person walking up, smokes a joint, thinks that they know more about the Bible just because they smoked some joint. Just because they took a little bit of heroin, they think they know everything about the word of God, and they think that they're, they'll come out with all their babblings and everything, and it's like, man, who plugged that demon in? It's amazing to me how people are these days because they think they know everything just because they take a little bit of alcohol in them. You ever, they're just babblers. And they'll go to them and they'll talk to them rather than going to the word of God. Listen to this, folks. The first thing I really believe is in verses 1 through 4, and really this is the view of God. And what is the view of the Lord here? He is a loving God. Listen to verse number one. I love the Lord. Well, why do you love him? Because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. I have, I have little grandchildren, okay? And sometimes they'll say, Papa, 
And, and I go over there, and, and I, I'm looking at it. She's just, just smiling like crazy. And, and I listen to her, and I'm able to communicate with her. And she knows that Papa's going to listen to her. And, and it, it, it makes her feel really well until I, until I pick her up. And then she smells like she's got a dirty diaper. So I say, hey, you know, give her to somebody else, right? Uh, that happens. But let me tell you something. There's a warmth in her eye when I look at her and I take time and I, and she knows that her papa loves her. It's amazing to me that we have the same father in heaven for all of us, but we don't really realize how much love he has for us. Do you realize he loves you? I was talking to Jonathan a little bit. I was in a conference years ago and it was full of preachers and the guy got up to speak and he said, how many in this room believe that God loves you? And they all raised their hand, all kinds of these preachers, you know. And then he says, how many believe that God likes you? Not one of them raised their hand. Let me tell you something. You may not feel liked, but you are loved. There'll be times in your life where your emotions and all of your temperament and all your characteristics will take you in the wrong direction if you're not careful. Our Father is in heaven right now planning everything for you. Because he loves you. He cares for you. He is your God. He is Jehovah. And his power is present this morning for you. I was thinking about how much he loves. Verse number one. But I saw this. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. For the sorrows of death compass me. And the pains of hell get Hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Maybe none of you have felt that in this world, but I have felt that at times, and I've been through difficult times of loneliness and discouragement and despair. But the psalmist has been through it all, and he was able to get through it with the God of heaven, focusing on him and saying, I view the Lord, and I know who he is, and I know he's going to help me. Look at it says in verse 4, Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord. I beseech thee, deliver my what? Soul. So why do I love him? Because he, he, he hears me. He inclines unto me. He wants to hear me. I heard about a little boy who was eagerly looking forward to a birthday party for a friend who lived a few blocks away. The day finally arrived and the blizzard came and the sidewalks became unpassable. And the lad's father, sensing the danger, hesitated to let his son go. He's like, son, you can't go. It's just too snowy out there. You can't go. But dad, I really want to do this. And his father lovingly let him go. As a little boy walked down the road, turned the left, went down, crossed the street, went up and pushed the doorbell. He turned around and he saw his dad walking back to the house because his dad was with him, making sure he made it all the way. And your father is with you and he will help you and he will guide you and he will supply for you. You know why? Because he loves you. We get caught up in too many things in this world to take us away from the truth of God's word. The Bible says in Psalm 121, verse number 8, The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, and even forevermore. Every step of the way, he will give you safety. But also, it is a gracious view that he has. It's amazing. In verse number 5 and 6, look what the Bible says. Gracious is the Lord. And righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. 
pretty simple. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 3, If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Yes, the Lord is gracious. And let's use grace in the right sense. The grace is the power to live godly, not to live loosely. If you talk about someone and they're saying, well, it's the day of grace, I can just do whatever I choose to do. That's not a proper of of the word grace, especially from the Bible. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter uh, 3, verse number 34, Surely he scorns the scorner, but he gives grace unto the lowly. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Humble. In 1 Peter 5, verse number 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. An atheist said, If there is a God, may he prove himself by striking me dead right now. Nothing happened. He said, See? There's no God. Another person next to him responded, you've only proved that God is gracious because he's waiting for you to turn to him and love him and care for him. And by the way, people need grace these days. They need grace. And you can't give it away if you don't have it. It's interesting as we think about this, but it's also a satisfying view. Look at verse number seven, satisfies. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. Because it was there at one time, but now my soul is all messed up. My spirit is perplexed. My troubles have overcome me. But return now to thy rest. For the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Verse number eight, for thou hast delivered my soul from death and mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling. C.S. Lewis said concerning this, he who has God and many other things has no more than he who has God alone. Pretty powerful. Someone wrote a poem, I think it was John Bunyan wrote this. He that is down needs to fear no fall. And he that is low No pride. And he that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. I am not, I am I am content with what I have, little be it or much, and Lord, contentment still I crave. Because thou savest such. John Bunyan. I was preparing the message and I read this a while back about Peter Philip, and maybe you don't know who he is. Peter Philip Billhorn. Everybody, anybody remember who he is? Billhorn. Peter Philip Billhorn. He was born July 22, 1865, in Mendota, Illinois. His name was originally Pullhorn, and it was changed by a judge in Ottawa. I think that's how you say it. Ottawa, Illinois. Um, that judge by the name... His name was Abraham Lincoln, by the way. Peter and his brother formed the Eureka Wagon and Carriage Works in Chicago, Illinois. Later, Peter became involved with gospel music. And so Peter wrote 2,000 hymns. 2,000 songs in his lifetime. You ever heard of him? First time I've ever heard of him. 
He also invented the folding pump organ used for revivals in the 19th century, century, of course, and he he founded the Billhorn Folding Organ Company in Chicago, Illinois. His evangelistic work took him into all the states of the Union um, and Great Britain and other foreign countries, and he was Billy Sunday's song leader before 1908, and he died December 13th, 1936, in Los Angeles, California. I bring him up because... He had that relationship with God that was what we need today. In fact, he wrote a song called, He Satisfies My Soul. He satisfies my soul. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. You think about this for a moment. But his song is different. It's, I want to read some words to you from it. It's, it says, I am satisfied with Jesus. I walk the narrow way. He fills my heart with glory, and I'll watch, and I'll fight, and I'll pray. His voice gives me sweetest comfort when billows near me roll. Oh, bless his name. I love him, and he satisfies my soul. I can't read all the stanzas for you. I'll read the last one. I'm satisfied with Jesus. I'm near eternity The light shines bright and brighter. His spirit sets me free. His love brings me peace and gladness. I see the shining goal. Oh, bless his name. I love him. He satisfies my soul. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful song. I don't know if we could put it to music. I have the music here. Maybe we can sing it sometime. But I want you to see this because in verses 1 through 9, We see this huge walk with God. Look at verse number 9. And I'll walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And we see his his walk with God. But then we need a proper view of salvation. Proper view of the Lord, but now a proper view of salvation. Remember that salvation is from God. It's not something that we earn. And by the way, no matter how good we are, no matter how active we are, it doesn't make us better than the person who is not. I think about... These verses, look at verse number 10, if you would, just down to verse number 15. Uh, I believe, therefore, have I spoken, I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste that all men are liars. In other words, I can't trust anyone anymore. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. What a beautiful understanding of salvation and renewal. Because without the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are doomed. Without the death, burial, and crucifixion of Jesus Christ, without the resurrection, we would have no hope. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ right here in the Psalms. It's interesting, if you look at verse number 13, it says, verse number 12 says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1.9 that they turned from their sin to God. They turned from their idols. The Bible says, For they themselves show unto us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how that you turned to God from idols to serve the living God. say, well, how can I get out of my negative thinking? How can I... Get control over my, my emotions. Number one is have a proper view of the Lord. Number two, have a proper view of salvation. 
that he saves you. The Bible's really clear. Also believe on the Lord. We know this. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. It's pretty simple. We make it so complex. We think people have to be, be saved the Baptist way, or have to be, baptized, have to be saved the, the Bible way, as far as the Bible church way, or a congregational way. Let me tell you something. When, when the scriptures say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that means it. Means it. I was, uh, took my mom, my mom to the doctor on Friday, the eye doctor, and she had to have her eyes dilated. And uh, my mom wants to know everybody in the waiting room. She wants to for some reason. And she's probably watching this morning. Um, she would like to maybe stand on a chair and get to know everybody. It's packed. And the doctors are way behind. They came out and says, We're, we've entered now into the two-hour wait now out here. Um, what do you want to do, Mom? What should we do? Well, while she was sitting there and getting to know people, there was a man that kind of wanted to know people too. He got up and came over and sat next to me. And my mom said, this is my preacher's son. I told her, don't do that anymore. Just say, this is my son, Dean. I'd rather be your son. And he said to me, I'm a preacher too. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, uh, I'm retired, though. Looks like you're still active. I says, yeah. 25 years at the church here in Madison. Oh, a church, Grace Baptist Church. He said, well, I'm Lutheran. Well, then my voice got a little louder then. And I wanted everybody to hear. I said, the difference between a Baptist and a Lutheran, do you know, sir, what the difference is? He's like, Keep it down. Fat chance. I said, the difference is that you must first receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior before you're baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. The whole place got quiet. I didn't really care. You see, because I'm going to go home to be my Lord pretty soon. I care somewhat of what people think because I want to be a good testimony of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. God is real. And when you talk about salvation to people, remember that it is Jesus Christ and him crucified, not a denomination. It is Christ and him crucified. And so it's in your heart, you call upon him. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The calling part maybe has some people stumped. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I can't help but think about the man on the cross, how that thief had no nails through his hands. I mean, how he had nails through his hands and how he, he had nails through his feet. And, and yet, it's interesting no, he was actually tied. Jesus had nails. He was tied. But how he didn't have to untie himself to get down 
and do all kinds of things. That Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Look at verses 16, he went on close, 16 through 19. And this is a proper view of your purpose. And this is what will help you. Proper view of the Lord, proper view of salvation, and a proper view of your purpose. Look at verse 16. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosened my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. And in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Billy Sunday said that more men fail through the lack of purpose than the lack of talent. Because many times people have an incredible amount of ability, but they have no purpose, no guidance. God has something for you. He desires for you to understand him, to understand his salvation, and he will guide you. And one day you will fulfill that wonderful, wonderful will that he has for your life. The Bible says that he was a servant. 1 Corinthians 7, 22 says, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also he is called being free. I think about the world's most expensive violin. Maybe you know who owned it. Uh, I can't even say his name. Niccolo. Niccolo Pagnini. I don't know if that's right or not, you musicians. But uh, he gave his instrument to be seen in a museum. Um, But they had to sign saying that nobody could ever play it. And because it was not touched by the human hands, it started to fall apart and crumble and be worm-eaten. A Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy his capability of even being useful to the generation that God had so much hopes in him that he would do. John Wesley said this, I want the whole Christ for my Savior. I want the whole Bible for my book. I want the whole church for my fellowship. And I want the whole world for my mission field. How do I get victory over my emotions? Have a proper view of God. Have a proper view of salvation. And have a proper view of your purpose in life. Those three things will change your life. And maybe you're stuck in one of those areas. Talk to somebody. Open up and they'll help you to overcome your thoughts and your emotions. Because if you're stuck, it's a miserable place to be. And guess what? You may be a miserable person to be around. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus came for you. Maybe you're struggling with your own purpose in life. Maybe you're struggling with your salvation. Maybe you're struggling with your view of God. I don't know. But maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor Howell, I need some help. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I know him. He's my Lord. But I'm struggling spiritually. I'm struggling with who I am. In him. And I'm struggling with how do I get back 
to doing what God wants me to do. I want to help you this morning. I can't, nor will I point you out, but I'll pray for you. You're saved but struggling. Maybe that's you this morning. I'll pray for you. And I'll remember who you are. If you're struggling this morning and say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I need some help in my area, my purpose. Would you pray for me? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. This altar is open for you too. Because the God who we spoke about has been calling you, begging you, beseeching you to come to him. Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. All ye that are burdened, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You can come. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Howell, I still don't know about my salvation. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm confused about that. I always thought just being a good person saved you. Maybe you need to have some help with that. We can show you from the scriptures how you can be saved. Is there anyone this morning would say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I'm still struggling in my salvation? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Lift it up, put it back down. Anyone? Then this message was for you, Christian. Would you please stand? No one looking around this morning. If you need to come and do, do business with God, why don't you come? Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.